0: Welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today we're speaking with Peter Vrains, co-founder and co-CEO of the Australian company Neuronics. How are you doing today, Peter?
1: Good, Sean. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for asking. Um, so your company has developed... A continuous molecular monitoring platform. Um, for those of us who aren't, you know, uh, academic majors in science, can you can you explain what that what that means exactly?
1: Yeah, sure. So, look, the best way to describe it is um, it's similar to a continuous glucose monitor or a CGM. Um, so okay. that's used. Uh, for type 1 diabetes moving into now type 2 diabetes and even the well-being uh, applications as well. And so it's a patch um, and it contains there's two technologies coming together essentially. One is a micro needle array. So these are tiny little needles uh, less than one millimeter. So they're pain-free. They don't hit the nerve endings when you put them into the skin. And right. what we do is we add on the, on the bottom of those um, a coating of a sensor and and that's really the, for us the jewel in the crown the thing that makes us unique is this sensor um, and this is a platform technology sensor that has been developed over the last 15 years and um, is is generalizable to virtually any target so it, it's uh, it, it's really the holy grail in, in biosensing has always been a platform technology that can measure anything um, and so we really see this as the evolution of CGM. Um, it's the next stage. So um, CGM has revolutionised, you know, that industry. But then, what's next? Well, right. what, what are the other things that we can measure, and what are the other problems that we can solve if we had a platform technology? And that's really what what drove us.
0: Great. So you you mentioned you mentioned uh, glucose, which you know, as you as you uh, mentioned. Uh, is obviously critical for for those with diabetes um but there's also wellness applications for that you know what's the benefit of of measuring you know other other what other measurements uh are you able to uh you know um monitor you know what what's the benefit there for other other areas can you give some examples
1: yeah sure so, well, our first market, and we, we looked at over a hundred different targets, uh, asking that exact question, Sean. So, of all the things you can measure, what would you want to? What would you want to start off with, and why? And so, we have a whole range of criteria, and what we're looking for is low-hanging fruit. We're looking for a big problem, not well managed, that we can we can really solve strongly. So, there's a pool for what we do, and mm-hmm. and going through that process, therapeutic drug monitoring, uh. For, is this that low-hanging fruit? It's done really poorly at the moment. Um, it's a big problem. Um, and, you know, and the way it's 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 monitored is, is just the clinicians say, if you can do anything, please do that. So we're, we're, our first product is vancomycin. It's a very common um, uh, antibiotic. And there's a consensus statement. Uh, you know, in the medical field, it's it's hard to get consensus around anything there's a consensus statement came out recently about about this and so clinicians use what's called trough dosing so they what they're trying to do is, is get a patient into this very narrow therapeutic window um, and if they overshoot it they, they actually you get AKI acute kidney injury because it's renally cleared if you undershoot it um, you're not treating the the pathogen that you're trying to treat and so it's a really difficult challenge for these clinicians to try and get, get a patient into this, this therapeutic window. And the other complicating matter is that if you and I both have the uh, initial same dose, at the site of interest, the concentration of vancomycin is very different. So we all metabolize it very differently. So it's, the way it's described to us from clinicians, it, it's like having a blindfold on and trying to, you know, throw a dart at a, at a dartboard. It's really, really difficult. It's, and, and so they take these blood draws um, every, say, 12 hours, um, and they try and use that to then guide what their next dose should be. But um, 80% of the time, um, the, the blood draws are taken out of this two-hour window that they've got. So they get limited data. The data they typically get is incorrect. And the upshot of all that is less than half of the doses on average are in this therapeutic zone. So you can imagine that, wow. that patient outcomes when only... You're only treating the patient half the time, and also, often you're actually damaging the patient because they're getting toxic doses, they're getting AKI, and that leads to that's one of the top ten killers in the hospital, and it leads to chronic kidney disease and all. So you go in a hospital for one problem, you come out with another. So you can see why you know we see this as a real low-hanging fruit, and what we can do is is we can put a patch on. And we can, instead of three data points over 36 hours, so one every 12 hours, we give Mm -hmm. the clinician thousands of data points, and they get that continuously and in real time. So they have eyes now. It's like taking the blindfold off. They have eyes into that patient, and their ability to keep them in the therapeutic zone, outside of the toxic range, above the ineffective range is far, far enhanced. So that, that's just so, one example of the first market, but there's, there's lots, lots of examples of where you can take this technology.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. It's, it, I mean, it sounds it sounds fascinating. Um, you know, there's there's generally an understanding of how how you know continuous glucose monitors are are mon can, you know are, are working. How does yours uh, is yours different from that? You know, I mean, you, obviously you're talking about the patch. Um, can you kind of uh, Go a little further into the the technology itself and how how that operates
1: yeah sure um so uh, glucose they're, they're a class of sensor called enzymatic sensing um and look at am uh, the first to say smash hit uh innovation it created a yeah it's a multi-billion dollar market it has solved huge problems for diabetics all around the world um extremely successful technology um However, we have two major advantages over that technology. So number one, that technology is not a platform. So it relies on the chemical reactivity of the target. And what that means is that every time you create a new enzymatic sensor, effectively you go back to, to square one, right? And, 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 the, and so the, if you look at a timeline of enzymatic sensors, um, glucose was the first that was shown to work on body. And then... In the last forty years, there's only been five that's ever been shown to work on body, right? So, and that's because it, it, they're very complex sensors. They, 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 there's a lot of time and money that goes into creating an enzymatic sensor. Um, mm-hmm. What we what we have is a platform technology, right? So, it's in it, effect it plug and play. So, UCSB, they're, they're, they're the inventor uh, uh, the of the technology. Is Professor Kevin Plaxco? He spent fifteen years doing Uh, developing the first sensor but then in the next four years he was able to um, show 10 sensors so double what the whole enzymatic industry did in 40 years in four years he, he developed 10 sensors that worked on body so that's number one is that that that's the power of a platform when you do one sensor you're leveraging all the previous work that you that you've done before um, the second thing is that um, enzymatic sensing can do some metabolites, so things that are already in our body, um, like glucose, for example, and um, and the like. Whereas our tech, we can do drugs like vancomycin, we spoke about that. We can do metabolites, we can do proteins, we can do hormones. So we can actually solve problems in in, few, in, in areas that enzymatic sensing could never never go into it you're not going to use an enzymatic sensor to do vancomycin for example so we really have a bit like kind of a blue ocean opportunity there where if you're ever going to do a sensor for a drug for therapeutic drug monitoring basically this is the only technology that that's been proven to work so, so there's two two big differences that we see with our tech compared to to CGMs or enzymatic sensors
0: right right and thanks for clarifying Um so you said you know you you mentioned several different types of of uh, of things that can be uh, tracked or monitored. So would this be something? Let's say somebody wanted to track or or monitor uh, white blood cell count or the presence of a disease. I mean, could you use this platform for that?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we start off with with things like bankimizing because. Everyone knows, everyone who's ever dosed vancomycin knows that, that, that that's a problem that needs a solution. We don't have to convince anyone. So that's just the low-hanging fruit. But, you know, when I think about some of the big opportunities, um, we, we play in areas where things move fast, right? Fast molecular changes. The classic example is sepsis. Sepsis is one of the biggest killers right. in the world. Um, it's a fast-moving disease state. It's hard to diagnose early you know, for every one hour that a patient, uh, a treatment is delayed for a patient, um, their risk of death goes up 8%, right? So this is a real, this is the, the nightmare scenario for, uh, you know, someone in hospital, someone comes in, you think it may be sepsis, but you don't know, maybe it's not, because it looks like a lot of other disease states in the early stages. So that's just a classic example where, um, uh, where a, a patch, so you imagine a situation where someone comes in, they wear a patch, We've got a really good molecular basis for a diagnosis. We can monitor them, and, and a clinician, has, you know, it, it will have far greater uh, level of confidence in their diagnosis. Is it sepsis? If so, you know, how do I treat it? Compared to the way right. it's done at the moment, where it, which is quite slow, it's uncertain. Um, and, and, and you, you look at the death rates and with sepsis, uh, it's just that's, uh, it's incredible, um, just the numbers. So um, th- that, that's a classic example. Um, chronic kidney disease is another one. It affects 800 million people. Our technology really lends itself to outpatient applications because of it. anyone can can put the, the patch on. You don't need to be in a hospital to do so um you know we can solve it, 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 the nephrologists we talk to basically call a lot of what they do a data free zone and so there's a lot of one-size-fits-all kind of um treatments so you know when you really start to dig deep and this is what we do you know every day um we we really see some big opportunities and, and you know platform technology is great because you can do a lot of things it's also uh, when you're a small company with a finite resources a risk because you don't want to spread your focus, you know, all over the place. And so we really right. focus on doing the one thing really well, you know, we, and we, we keep these other ideas bubbling along uh, as well because, you know, they go into our pipeline eventually. Uh, another one is, um, uh, you know, trauma patients. When they're picked up by a paramedic, um, basically the first time that the, the ICU um, intensivists see these patients is when they come in, but they, mm-hmm. they may have been in ambulance for half an hour. So putting a patch on to measure their organ health, you can have creatinine for their kidneys, troponin for their heart health. Yeah, there's, a, there's a whole range of critical molecular targets that could be monitored. And they've got, you know, intensivists have a golden hour when a trauma patient comes in, being able to have all this data streaming to them, so that they can start to, to prepare for this patient to come in can have huge benefits. So there's really, I mean, th- that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's just so many applications. It, that's why this is, a para- this is a paradigm shift. This is a change in how things are done. We've done things a certain way for so long that there's a status quo. Um, this, this, this really smashes that status quo and changes lots of different things in, in, in how we treat, how we monitor you know lots of different diseases and and, and trauma patients and and you know so so, yeah it's really broad sweeping Um, and and we you know we just have to get really good and we are really good at being laser focused on let's do that first thing nail that show the world what this tech can do and then springboard off that into the next thing
0: well it's interesting when you compare it to a continuous glucose monitor you know when I think of those I I think most likely somebody said how can we monitor glucose continuously? And whereas you guys looked at it as how can we how can we continuously monitor a molecular target
1: and yeah. do it
0: continuously rather and it's so it's a different approach which uh, is is going to lead to you know a, a different solution. Um, yeah, and it's also, yeah. you well, also you sorry here you go. No, that's right. I was just going to say it's also interesting when you were talking about the emergency, uh, you know, emergency room situation and being able to monitor a patient, you know, the moment the moment those paramedics respond, they can slap the patch on, and then I imagine it's a wireless connectivity that enables, enables it to Uh, communicate with a, you know, some sort of uh, monitoring equipment or some sort of equipment that would record the data. And then, like you said, once they enter the OR, or I'm sorry, not the OR, the ER, once they're brought into a hospital, uh, they would have that data from at least, you know, the last, like you said, half hour, hour, however long it was um, that they were being transported, they would have all that information right
1: away. Exactly. I mean, there's literally a golden hour that that differentiates whether some you know a, a patient lives or dies. You know, it's these right. are critical patients when they're coming in. Um, and what happens? So they come in. If you want to know their molecular status, you want to know that the the heart health or the kidney health or you know whatever the trauma is. Um, it takes time now. They've got to they've got to take blood draws. They go to labs. They get data that comes in. All of that is lag time, a critical lag time. So the the idea that you can start streaming continuous information on the critical matters the moment that the paramedic um, is starting to treat the patient um, that that's 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 a huge thing. And like yeah, one thing, Sean, that yeah, I think it's interesting. um, uh, This is not new, right? This concept of a platform technology that can measure anything this has been around for decades and it's and i always find it really interesting how it came about so the the, the inventor of the technology um is professor kevin Plaxico, and mm-hmm. he's a um a biological physicist so he's got a lens that he looks at problems through a biologist lens most of the industry in biosensing is chemists and engineers like me right? i'm a chemical engineer and we look at things through a different lens just because that's how we're trained. And so no yeah. one for, for decades was able to crack this problem, right? A, a, a platform tech that can measure anything. And, and so Kevin looked at it through this different lens and said, well, the body, right now, we're measuring molecular targets. Our body's done it for, for hundreds of thousands of years, right? We do it all the time. How does the body do it? And that one question... Change the whole trajectory of this industry because the body does it through conformational change. In the presence of a target, we have proteins that change shape. That that's how it does it. And so he went to school on that, and that's where the the aptamers that we use. That's the 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 basically the jewel in the crown, as I as I call it. That's where that originated. Is that it does uses this exactly the same mechanism that we use in the body. Uh, we use Aptimus to do what what proteins do in the body, they change shape. And that's how it's generalizable and that's how it's a platform. And then what he did, he said, well, if, if we can do this 12 times with 12 different targets, that's a really good proof point that this is generalizable. And it's only been at the start of this year that his lab has been able to achieve that, the 12th one. So, and this is the ultimate test. So there's lots of, everyone who ever develops a technology in biosensing, everyone, they all work perfectly on a lab bench. The ultimate mm-hmm. test is, does it work on a body? Because that's where it's complex, there's biofouling, there's noise. 90, I don't know, a, a big percentage of them fail at that point. Because mm-hmm. it's right. too aggressive. He's done it 12 times in blood, um, on body. so, so that's a really strong proof point that that this tech works. And now we're taking that, and we're we're already been we're working with Kevin. He's coming here to Australia to work with us. That's his level of his uh, of belief. in, in, in yeah, you know, he's one of the world's leading biosensor researchers. Um, we've got a, him and, and some of my other team coming here to work with us. So it's a really exciting time for us. Um, you know, just just to demonstrate really what this tech can do Um, and next, you know, six, 12 months is going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine I'll have to keep it, keep an ear out or you'll have to give me an update in a a few months. Um,
1: Sure. But it also,
0: yeah, so, so you also, um, you know, we're talking about a lot of, a lot of medical uh, related uh, uh, applications, but it occurs to me that, that this would also be something that a pharmaceutical company may have interest in for a clinical trial of a new a new product or a new drug, um, you know, similar, I guess, similar to the application you, you referred to, but, you know, with therapeutic response. But, um, you know, the, in testing a drug, it may not even be something that's on the market, but setting up, uh, you know, sensing to see if the desired result is happening and possibly could speed up uh, a trial because you're getting – you know instantaneous feedback on how the body's reacting to it i don't know if it would necessarily speed things up but certainly a different uh opportunity to to monitor uh you know people involved
1: yeah exactly there's this huge opportunities there There there's um you know drugs that have stalled because of issues around safety so there's potential to be a companion product for those drugs to get them through the regulatory process (laughs) Um, there, are, there are drugs now like aminoglycosides are a classic example that aren't used that regularly just because mm-hmm. clinicians are so worried about the toxic effects um, you know that, 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 that they're a class of really really great drugs but you get into the toxic uh, zone for a patient and and they can go blind very easily um, you know it, it, that aminoglycosides often use as they call them a Hail Mary if someone's absolutely critical they use it but so you know having a companion product for that where that class of drug can be can be administered safely Um, you know uh, creatinine for example sometimes you don't have to actually even have to administer a drug yet you if you could administer um, creatinine um, yeah there's, there's a whole there's, there's dozens of drugs that are renally cleared through the kidney. So that's what you're worried about, toxicity of the kidney. Being able to measure creatinine um, is, right. is really useful for a clinician to say, what, maybe we can't measure all, all of those drugs yet, but we can measure um, uh, the levels of toxicity in, um, in the kidney. So that that's important. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of lots of different opportunities here. Um, it, it just it's, it's endless. And there's also, yeah, we, we're, we're putting in, in place an open innovation model where we partner with um, universities uh, and others to, because it's chicken and egg for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to constrain innovation within the four walls of this organization. We want to open this up. And help others to make discoveries that you know we're just never going to make um, and take it in all these different areas because there's we know that the things we talk about now the tip of the iceberg there are there are applications that we haven't even dreamed about that um, will be discovered down the track and and we want right you know and, and this is the this is call out to your listeners so if there's if there's researchers or there's uh, people in pharma, that think that, that there are applications for this technology talk to us because we want we want to facilitate these um and we want to have an open innovation model where we work and partner with you know multiple different parties to to make discoveries and bring these bring these technology this technology to market for all these different in all these different ways you know so um we're very much open to that
0: that's great i mean well of course, best of luck. With that, and and uh, you know, will 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 the podcast be credited uh, with a finder's fee should that should that collaboration happen? Uh, You know, there there's always that opportunity as well.
1: (laughs) It's a Sean fee, yeah. It's uh, just just for you, Sean. Well, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll come up with something. You'll get the first use in America, perhaps, of uh, the very first patch. You can uh, try you it out. There you go. First.
0: That's great. That's Although, <laughs> hopefully, I, hopefully I don't necessarily need it, but, you know, I, every, everyone probably does for something. Um, but uh, right. no, I appreciate Touch the words. update. Unfortunately, though, that is yeah. all the time we have for this episode of uh, MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank my guest, Peter Vrains, for, you know, speaking to us about his his technology and his company, Euteromics. Um And as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Sean Fenske from MPO saying thanks for listening.